You're listening to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. I have a question for you. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the college recruiting process? You have come to the right place. Jill will bring you expert tips and interviews with special guests to help you take a deep breath and know, yes, you are moving in the right direction to find your college team. After this podcast, don't forget to head to Jill's shop page to purchase her two guidebooks that will make everything in college recruiting much more clear and simple. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. That's me, and I have a really special guest today. His name is Rishab Kanal. And we are new friends and we um, are going to be talking about some topics that I think might surprise you, but I think they're going to be great for not only the athlete, but also the parent. So I'm going to be excited to hear what your reviews are on this um, podcast. So Rishav came to me and he's not from necessarily the athletic world, the recruiting world and all that. Um, but he worked for LinkedIn, he worked for Under Armour, and he is um, a best-selling author. And I'm going to give him the mic now to kind of share with all of you a little bit more of his background. And then we're going to get started into some practical questions that I think are going to really benefit both the parent and the athlete. So Rishav, welcome to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks and give us just a little thumbnail of your background. Yeah, and, and for your audience and your families that are listening, you're like, what is he doing here? Can he even you know, be on a high beam balance, do all that? And the short answer is no, because what you and your child can do, gymnastics, far beyond my skills. But uh, background about me, so I was born and raised in Nepal. I moved to the US in 2006. And I think I credit a lot of the success that I've had um, you know, in, in my career now to like the unique upbringing, right? Growing up on food stamps, being the first in my family to attend a four-year university, and then recently had a chance. Um, this is the memory that I have right before COVID. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, they called me up and they said, hey, Rashad, you know, we've been following what you've been doing recently and helping our students. And if you wouldn't mind, we would love to actually invite you down, invite your family down, because we want to award you like the most successful young alumni of the year. And, and this is talking to a guy where I remember my sophomore year, I had to withdraw from one of my classes because I almost filled out of it. <laughs> so school didn't come naturally to me. Right. And you're in Jill, like, you know, I see you gasping now. And, and trust me, my parents did the same. It just never really came naturally to me. But what did was finding mentors, finding coaches, finding advisors to really shape me up when it comes to my soft skills to ready myself professionally. Um, so that's where you mentioned the book. I wrote, you know, wrote the book experience over degrees. And at 21 at the time is when I wrote it. Uh, I was grateful enough to have 11 universities actually distribute it. 40,000 students got access. Um, and now currently present day, right after uh, I had the opportunity to work at LinkedIn after I graduated, I went to found compound career where essentially just like you, Jill, and the amazing, amazing thing that you do, which is helping families help athletes and parents really feel comfortable with the college recruiting process. I work with families and students when it comes to the career readiness process and helping their students land competitive internships and jobs. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to be here. Like you said, it's a little bit of a different topic, but I think it's worthwhile for me to share my experience 
having worked at Under Armour, having worked with students around the topic of career development, because I feel like that exposure to student athletes, we need to do, we need to do more of that, right? We need to let them know that, hey, there are many paths that you can take after your professional career comes to an end. What you decide to do is ultimately up to you. And I think there's this long stigma out there that student athletes are really behind, but I actually want to encourage family and we'll get into some of the questions that student athletes are probably on the most offensive end <laughs> when it comes to being ready for the professional world. Um, and I just want to help families figure out like how to really package their child to really go out there and crush their careers. Well, this is going to be so good because most parents and most of my clients, they're in high school, the, the kids are, all different sports, and they're super focused on just figuring out which college they're going to go to. But as you and I both know, once they pick that college or that college coach picks them and there's a match, um, four years goes by really fast. And then the next season of their life is exactly what you're going to be describing today. I think we're going into a little bit with some of our questions. And that's why I thought it would be so good to have you on. And I have to tell you, most of our athletes are um, above a 4.0 student, a lot of AP courses, you know, they shoot for the Ivies, some of them. Um, and even if they're not, like I was a B student, I mean, I, I think Bs are fine and you just be you, be your best you. But in the end, we're constantly helping them realize their academics have to come first always, even when they're picking a school for sports and then getting that major done. And then the different things you've learned working for those companies and you're not that long out of college, um, they're going to be stepping into, like I said, that next season of life. So I'm excited because most of our families and kids are super proactive and they're mm. forward thinking, no question. It's amazing. Like I meet with some kids who are eighth grade, maybe starting ninth grade. And one of the questions we have on there is, of course, what is your favorite subject? What do you want to study? And do you know what you want to major in? And above 80% can answer all those questions, even wow. in eighth grade. And whereas most kids, that's just not on their mind. So they're going to resonate with, I think, what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started. My first question to you is, many of our clients at JH Consulting are very driven, organized, and have great time management skills. Can you elaborate on how these qualities will set them apart um, in life after college? Yeah. And isn't that awesome, by the way? That's really impressive. <laughs> like eighth, ninth grade, you're proactively speaking with students who aren't, you know, shying away from that question, it sounds like. And even in high school with practices, with a very demanding schedule, they're able to maintain above a 4.0 GPA. They're able to juggle all these things. And like, and I look at that. And then I also think about the message that is being sort of broadcasted a little bit that I tend to hear when I started working at LinkedIn and just being involved in the career space is, oh my gosh, student athletes are really behind. You know, they're not ready to, to really get out there uh, when it comes to their careers. And I, and I okay. just, I, I, I have a feeling that's certain sports. Yes. Whereas in gymnastics, what I've seen just to kind of go there because um, these kids are working out um, since they were two in their sport. 
So that's a big difference. One, two, they don't stick with the sport of gymnastics unless they have this incredible focus on details because you mm. don't get up to level 10, which is the level for college without having that kind of naturalness towards getting things done because you get assignments in the gym and then you it's it's up to you are you gonna work really hard or are you gonna in whereas some other sports might might be what they're referencing kids who don't start that sport till high school it doesn't require as much time management skills so the the athlete that's going into some of those and grades are important but maybe not the focus as much as the kids in the sport of, let's say, gymnastics, even some of the aquatic sports, really any sports, parents coming down from have, being in college themselves kind of put that package into their kids. And it's weird how, it's not weird, it's just interesting how I think in certain sports, it's, um, you know, they're extremely ready for life after college already because they had to be to get through their sport in, in some of these sports that are so intense. So that might be, whereas some, some sports, it wouldn't have been that way. The focus yeah, wouldn't I, have been that way. Mm -hmm. I think you're so right because, you know, something that I started to notice with these messages, it was really painting a broad stroke. It was just like, oh, sports athletes, they're not ready, right? But when right. you look at it on the individual level and you start to study, well, what if, what if, those athletes been doing to even get to that level exactly. and that level of discipline time management staying organized like they have been building those life skills and i think the buzzword yeah. that's often thrown around is like soft skills all of that and you know it, it, it's really funny like just to even validate this more right now a lot of college students are coming out and they did this survey recently where it was like 60 some odd percent said you know what i think i've got the soft skills to the point where I can totally crush my job. And then you've got employers who've taken the same survey and they said, uh, only 14% are like, hey, they've got the soft skills, <laughs> right? But what I think a lot of families who have student athletes have the perfect advantage is going back to what you said, is the level of discipline, the focus. And Bill Belichick, obviously, you know, the coach of the Patriots, there was a documentary that came out that I watched on NFL Network where he talks about like, going to a star players and he says, do your job. And why I bring that up is because I've noticed a lot of students who did not grow up with an athletic background, who didn't grow up with the, the routine, the discipline, the structure, they get into this four-year environment and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's very hard for them to adjust. And when they get out, it's even more difficult for them to adjust. Wow. So now employers, what I'm starting to see, and I used to be a recruiter at LinkedIn, whenever we would have candidates that found a way to package their athletic experience and talked about the discipline that they have, the time management skills, everything that they've done, managers were all over that because they know they could come in every day and be a productive member of that team. And just like what Bill Belichick says, do your job taking extreme ownership, right? Saying, you know what? Like I can sweep the floors. I can do this. I can do that. No job is too big or too small. I can totally crush it. So I think that's where student athletes actually are on the offense versus a lot of students going into college that for, you know, for whatever reason, they just didn't have the opportunity to really flex those muscles. Mm -hmm. And after college, it just gets even harder. Um, so I think first thing is like just families and student athletes recognizing, man, you all are in a very amazing position.
because those life skills have been building on with your children for years and years and years. Well, and I think what, what is interesting, I would have never thought of before, but I would encourage our athletes to remember when they go to start applying for jobs after they've already been recruited, they did their four years or five years to remember this because they need to write about this in their um, resumes so that they're not lumped into a package or a narrative that some companies may have had a bad experience with an athlete. And um, I think that's a something I would have never thought of because when I coached both the universities I was at, um, we had so many employers that came after the gymnasts um, because they knew for whatever reason, they had a good experience with that sport, with that type of student athlete. But if you're applying to a big company and they've gone after some of these athletes that don't have the skills that, that these girls have built through the years because the sport just demanded it, um, they want to be sure they're talking about it in their cover letter or somewhere in that resume. Yeah. And, and again, I know, you know, for, for a lot of families, what I appreciate that you shared with me is like a lot of families, it sounds like for you and, and the folks that you work with are very proactive, right? Yeah. So they're eighth, ninth grade, they're thinking about colleges when they are starting to get into high school, senior year, they're thinking, well, you know, what do the, the middle years really look like? But what, what also the years look like after that, <laughs> which is why, again, I'll keep reemphasizing, like, I think the relevancy of this conversation here is for us to really understand the outcome after the playing days, you know, may, maybe they come to an end. Um, so spot on right there with you, especially gymnasts. Yeah, the, the level of drive that it takes to excel in that sport. Jeez. Right. <laughs> okay, let's move on. The next one is we talk a lot about how sports and what you do is not who you are. So because they started at such a young age and there's so many hours they put in, especially in the sport of gymnastics, I would say, but probably all sports requires so much discipline and time. Um, they get that kind of enmeshed. So the sport becomes more of who they are and they have to kind of learn. We talk about this a lot at JH Consulting when they're trying to build their confidence outside of the sport, it takes me kind of pulling that apart and reminding them, you're really good at being a daughter. You're really good at um, being a friend. They don't have a lot of time to do outside activities. So it's hard to say, okay, you're good at this or that, but sometimes they cook at home, they do other things, but they just don't get to think about it. Like I'm good at that because they're so focused on trying to you know, develop as an athlete in their sport and get recruited in that sport. So we try to pull that apart and help them remember who they are without the sport and how valuable that is. So especially as they take it into a career. So my question to you, you worked at Under Armour. So you worked with probably a lot of athletes uh, as, as your coworkers. Um, I'm sure there were many past athletes um, there and you I would love for you to share maybe a story of some of the struggles you saw athletes have to go through. Um, I actually went through this struggle as a freshman mm. at Oregon State when I tore my knee and couldn't be an athlete anymore. And they asked me to be a coach. Thank goodness it became my whole life. So it was, you know, one door closed. I moved right into it. And, um, but it, I cried a lot for three years, uh, my freshman, sophomore, junior year. 
I put on a lot of weight. Um, I was depressed. I would mm. go to the meets as their coach and I'm their same year. And I had to sit there and watch them get all the glory and the attention that I was used to, that I was living off of. And once that was gone, I, I just really struggled with my self-esteem. So I have a real heart for that. So tell us some stories that you saw, because I think for some of these kids, if they can get through the four years as an athlete, they're not going to experience it till that first year of working. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I didn't, I mean, you know, there's only so much you can learn from quickly glancing at a website, obviously you knew about the injury, but I didn't know about the impact that it had on you and your well-being mentally and how you viewed yourself. And, and, and that level of exposure isn't something that I knew about until I got to Under Armour. So for me, you're so right. I, I had a lot of athletes um, as colleagues. I mean, t- I'm talking about track stars, equestrians, football players, top of their game, SEC, Big 12, like amazing, amazing athletes. And then once they got into work, it was like this big void that was missing. So you'd ask, ask about a story, right? And, and a couple come to mind. And I, and I sat with this for a while because they're you know, amazing friends of mine, great people. They can make a great impact. And, you know, they shared with me, frankly, one night, it's like, Rashad, you know, for not even four years, for majority of my life, my day started early in the morning, you know, in the weight room, doing my thing. And then I had meetings with teams and coaches, maybe my mom talking about the next steps and then classes are next after that. Then, you know, I eat breakfast or wind down or whatever. And then after that, I've got practice and then I come back. So everything is very structured. Now, transitioning into the corporate world, especially where a lot of companies are starting to go remote first. So the very idea of even going into an office is being taken away. A lot of those friends, they had a very difficult time adjusting, having to do everything on their own. Now they were really in charge of their schedule to the degree that they never work. So the impact of that was very difficult to see at times. And I, and I hope it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable with your audience and, and what it led to, because I think it's worthwhile having that conversation is Monday through Thursday, they would work, maybe work out, you know, once or twice, maybe a little bit more if they, if they needed that routine to keep them going. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was going out to bars. And it was a lot of happening, and nothing wrong with that. I, I like nothing, but the level at which they were doing it was to sort of cope with what they felt like was missing. It was how do I find my place here? And you see a lot of corporations, especially when you have a big group working at companies like LinkedIn. I even fell into this trap of, you know, let's go out, we're making money now, let's do this. And all of a sudden, three out of your seven days, drinking and going out essentially becomes a hobby. (laughs) And you fall into this cycle. And I had a lot of friends share with me, like Rashad, like Sundays come, I feel awful. I have really nothing to look forward to. Every Monday, I'm not enjoying and my performance at work is dipping because of everything that I put my body through Friday, Thursday, and, and, and Saturday. And I just feel like I'm not me anymore. And when you mix all those things, it can, it can get really bad. And I think it puts you in this weird identity crisis of like, who am I? I was an athlete, but I'm not that anymore. What is my place? Some of the things that you dealt with, right? That you just described, Joe. And I, and I think that was like hearing that, like really touched me. 
Um, I, I didn't know the severity of that. And now like reflecting back and, and, and even some of the students that I work with now, some like athletes and whatnot, it's really about helping them find balance and exactly what you said, which is helping them understand the sport that they play is a piece of who they are. And how do we just get them to lean into maybe their hobbies? How do we get them to lean into just hanging out with their friends, their family, traveling, giving them joy outside of that sport? And even for some of my colleagues that were at LinkedIn who were professional D1 lacrosse, one, one was at Stanford, the other one was BYU. Some things that they did that they taught me, which is sport was such a big part of their life. They didn't want to let that go. So they found local high schools or rec leagues where they could coach and still be involved with the sport and give back to you know the kids or rec leagues whatnot um but majority of their days now were not spent thursday friday and saturday just going to bars feeling that void and using alcohol as a coping mechanism oh my gosh what a great story and sad but true you know i think that's uh, it happens too also with these high schoolers um because I saw it and then they move into college. They don't have mom or dad there uh, driving them, making their meals. You know, there's so much structure involved prior to that freshman year. And you see many athletes then actually get to college and they don't manage themselves as well. So this can apply to that as, as well. Um, and they go the partying route. So if the competitiveness on that college team is uh, too much or they feel like they're letting down their parents um, in whatever way in their performance or their coach or all of a sudden they're not making the lineup they're not quite good enough then we see the same thing happen so I feel like this is you you know I didn't know you were going to share that story exactly but I feel like um, you know parents out there athletes out there that are listening, you need to wake up to this because you don't want to fall into this. You want to put the right um, people in place around you. And I think that's what I would recommend for all these clients of mine that are starting their freshman year. You have to connect with people. You don't be alone. Don't be doing things um, just because those are the only friends you have and that's what they choose to do. But give yourself that space to adjust, just like you're gonna have to when you go to a job after the four years, um, but be smart and think through and think longer term than just the weekend and filling it up with something that actually is not gonna benefit you, especially if you're an athlete on a team. So I love that you brought that up because I haven't really talked to my clients that much about this, but it is quite common that they struggle their freshman year a lot. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. the same identity thing, you know, and some of them are like, maybe I don't want to do this. You know, I worked so many years <laughs> to become a college student athlete and now I'm in it and I don't, I'm not enjoying it and they don't know what to do with themselves. So it's the same problem. They have to come to grips with who am I without sport? And so I think that's a really, really great thing to talk about. Yeah. I mean, this was, I, I remember uh, because tennis for me was a big part of my life growing up. So in high school, transitioning into college, I thought I was going to play like walk on D3. So not good enough to get into D1. Obviously, I knew where my strengths lie. But in that community, you talk to athletes who just work so hard to get to that level and they will come back and say, this wasn't what I wanted to do. And you just see it in their face and their eyes and, and that sense of defeat where it's like, you're not a failure because 
like that you deciding that now it only shows how powerful you are versus you letting other people down you feeling like you let yourself down um and and using other ways to cope with that and i think that's just something i'm glad that you brought that up and to echo that example even more just to be real with you know families and students like this happens and it's okay to talk about stuff like this i also would love to encourage my my clients that sometimes it takes that whole freshman year to go, I, I love it. I'm super excited. I'm on the honeymoon phase when you get there, then, oh my gosh, I don't love this anymore. I'm seeing all this other stuff I could do with my life. All those kids don't have to go to the, you know, (laughs) and then you, you go through that period. This is what I saw as a college coach for 20 years. And then as we turned the corner and meet season would start and they're out there competing for their university, they start to build a love for it again. And then it all clicks, you know? And so that would be an encouragement I would also like to share with, you know, just a reminder that sometimes you have to get through that period, figure out, figure out why you're doing it, you know, what's your why? And then it kind of moves into a whole new passion or it might not, you might decide, you know, this isn't going to be for me. I mean, I think you brought up real quick just to like help people resonate with that comment even more is if you think about how scientists view experiments, right? What scientists are always trying to do is gather enough data. You know, people talk about this gathering the sample size to be large enough to make an accurate adjustment on what we should do after we get the data back. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Like, two weeks isn't enough, <laughs> right? A month or two may, may not be enough. Instead, giving it the whole year for the freshmen and the sophomores to understand the whole, the competing, the practicing, the adjustment. I mean, that's, it's a fantastic point because I'm sure parents will get the calls like mom, dad, I don't know if I want to do this. And right. might've been when midterms were happening, they had grades and club meetings and all of it just happened all at once. But after that, things eased up a bit. They fell in love with competing again, and now their answers change. You just you have to have a sample size that's large enough to make that decision because it's a big one. That's great. All right. Uh, many of my clients are in high school. They're focused on getting recruited to college. What are some tips you can recommend to them in regards to interviewing with college coaches? How can they best represent themselves in regards to the things that have nothing to do with athletics? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I love talking about this. Um, so it, it sounds like it's a, it's a two-part question. First, uh, really, you know, what are some tips that we can recommend to students when they're interviewing with college coaches and how, and how do we get them to show the best versions of themselves? And then two is how can they represent the things that they've done outside of athletics when talking to college coaches? Because those things, those tangibles still matter. So I'll start with the first one. And I think interviewing in this setting, when you're speaking with a college coach, is very similar to making a good impression when you're interviewing for your first job or that internship. And just like sports in that situation, it all starts with practicing and doing your research beforehand. So when I think about tips, right, I tend to break it up into three parts, which I call uh, the small talk, the interview, and the post-interview, okay? So if if we're really getting that tips, and if you're a family that's listening, if you have pen and paper, I would grab it because <laughs> I want to make sure some of these points really resonate um, with your child and maybe even yourself to speak with them. First is a small talk. I often see a lot of seniors, juniors put so much pressure on themselves 
when they're quote unquote interviewing, because I think that carries a level of stigma and they're very worried of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? You know, that you just can feel it in their voice. They're very nervous. And I think first it's having that conversation with your child. It's like, at the end of the day, what an interview really is, is two people having a conversation to see if there's a fit. That's it. Okay. <laughs> let's, okay. let's break that down. And then where I see students struggle is the first few minutes of an interview can really catapult, like whether or not this is going to be a good one. Okay. So how, so how does that happen? Well, let's think about it in the context of practicing. If you are an athlete and you're interviewing that college coach and assuming we're in that interview setting, go ahead and do the research beforehand. So Joe, if you were, you know, a, a coach that was potentially uh, thinking about recruiting me for your program, I would do what I did at the beginning of this podcast, which was go on your website, research you, learn a little bit about your background. And then this is something that I always tell um, students to feel a little bit more comfortable about breaking the ice, which is the first part of the small talk is, hey, Jill, I, you know, before we get into it, because I'm sure the first question is going to be, well, Rashad, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, this is what we do. This is how the call is going to go. Boom. Tell me a little bit about yourself. It's like, hey, Jill, well, I would love to. And, you know, real quick, before we get into it, I just have to say, one, I'm super thankful and excited for this opportunity. And I was even more excited when I checked out a couple of athletes of yours on YouTube talking about the program that you built. You know, when Jenny spoke about all the projects that you were able to do at Oregon State outside of the county, I'm just kind of making these things up. But yeah. imagine when you open up the conversation that way, how the coach is like, whoa, this person really prepared. <laughs> and that's just within the first two minutes, right? That's a small talk because it doesn't have to be about the weather. It doesn't have to be about oh, where are you from? Or if it's, you know, via Zoom, like, can you hear me okay? And it's very awkward. Own the awkwardness and let your child do the research and make them feel confident in that research. The okay. second part is the actual meat and potatoes of the interview. And I'll come back to that because I think this will tie into the second question about how they can bring some of the non-sport related activities into their world. Um, but then the post-interview, which I think is really, really important. So, you hear this advice a lot when you're interviewing for jobs or an internship is that after those interviews, the best way to stand out is to go ahead and send a thank you email. Yep. We do acknowledge people for their time. And I love that you already called it that you all do that because most yep. people do not. Now for me and some of my students, like the, the extra little sauce that, you know, your families can go ahead and totally implement now. And one of the students that I'd worked with, so he used to work at Jimmy John's and uh, was a cashier, East, East Carolina University, didn't have a whole lot of experience. Um, and then after the interview process, he's actually within a couple of weeks working for Robert Herchevec, who's on Shark Tank, because of some of these things. And after our interviews, what we do is we send a thank you email, but on the thank you email, we actually include a thank you video. Okay. Ooh. Now, this is something I, I would encourage a lot of families to do because what can happen is let's think about that college coach. They are not only interviewing your child. <laughs> it is back to back to back to back. So many students, they've got to deal with their current program. They're thinking about recruiting. You don't want to be forgotten. So how can we put your child in an advantageous position to say, okay, they're going to remember me. So what I would encourage you to do is have your child research how that coach talks about the program on their website. And then when your child is crafting that thank you email slash video, when they describe, hey, Coach Jill, it looks like from our conversation and the way you described your program, discipline is something that you really look for in athletes. 
And, you know, I just want to, again, thank you for the opportunity. And just to give you a quick example, blah, blah, blah. And then share one example about how you've been a disciplined athlete. And then just say, you know what, thank you again. I figured I'd shoot this over instead of a long email so that you can quickly watch it and we'll be in touch soon. (laughs) Okay, this is so funny. I try to get the girls to, or my clients, our clients, to do what's called a JH girl bio video and put it Mm. on Instagram. And it is like pulling teeth. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So gymnasts are very tell me what to do and I'll do it. But they don't want to move out of that comfort zone. And especially girls nowadays, they don't want to appear cocky, stupid, doing something outside of what the cool thing is to do, right? So this might work really well because none of their friends are going to see it. They don't have to, you know, and I'm telling you, the kids that do the bio videos, uh, the, the, the athletes, and put it on their Instagram, which is the major platform for recruiting for athletes right now, the coaches love it because one, they stand out. Two, like you said, um, because most of them put their sport and they show them doing their sport. Okay, well, after millions and millions of those, you're not going to stand out unless your skills are like out of this world, right? But they have to do it. That's how they get recruited. But you put put yourself talking on there and it's just over the top. They're not going to forget it. And it, they can be very short. I tell them just short, just say, hi, this is who I am. And I love that you could do this in a thank you. I am, they're going to, this is going to be a good one. We're going to add. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll give you a, a little cherry on top on, uh, on that too, because you're so right when you speak about, especially girls, right? So I I have a little sister, we have a big age difference. And the kind of the joke around our household is that she got a third parent (laughs) because I really care for her. I love her. And and I want to make sure, you know, she has um, the best resources available and she does things differently. And she speaks with me about, you know, how there's a lot of pressure, obviously, you know, you don't want to appear too cocky when you go outside of that norm a little bit. I mean, you know, I didn't really recognize this. It's easier for guys, but sometimes when girls do that, it's like, you have that judgment peering in from your peers and friends and all these things cloud above your head. But where I found a lot of students feel comfortable is that when they send the video in a one-on-one setting and they totally are like, my friends aren't going to see it. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing too, is when they do, you know, click that button to record that video. I often hear, Oh, I'm so nervous. I feel like I'm saying my ums and ahs. So for your family, this is what I would go ahead and recommend. If you download the app called teleprompter, I believe it's free. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, last time I checked, I currently have it and I use this to send video DMs to a lot of folks. They might've updated it, but it's like $9.99 to export a video. But if you do it once, you don't have to ever do it again. You upload your script and almost like a news anchor, the words actually, yep. <laughs> if you, I, I know you, some of you all are probably going to be listening and Jill is here like, she's like, what? Yeah. Uh, I found this and it has been a life changer because that also helps the students combat the fear of speaking in front of video and feeling like they're not communicating well enough, which I know oftentimes, especially girls, like they want to feel like, hey, I don't want to be too over the top. I want to find a good balance. It's like, great, let's write it down. Let's be really clear in what we're doing. Download the app called Teleprompter. It will hover right above the screen. So it looks like you're making eye contact and go ahead and send them the video. And on top of that, If you have your child, if you're not super tech savvy, that's okay. Have your child listen to this. Tell them to go on Google and download a Chrome extension 
Okay, if you just type in, you have to use Google Chrome for this. Snove.io, S-N-O-V.io. And basically it links up with your Gmail. And whenever you send a link or an email, it gives you the ability to track to see if people have opened it or not. Oh. And this can be a great way to give your child that initial like validation, like look oh, yeah. at that. This I do have parents. <laughs> Some of the parents are on top of that. They do that. So I didn't know how to do that. So that's cool to find out. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, it, I'm telling you stuff you can do with tech nowadays. It, it's, it's crazy. Okay, Rishav, we're going to have to have you back because I have so many things that I want to ask you. All right, let's keep moving. Um, speak to the parents that are listening today. You've worked at LinkedIn. You're a bestseller selling author. You work with college students. What would you say to the parent in regards to empowering their child as they pick a college? Yeah. And I think I probably will echo a lot of what you've been saying throughout this process, Jill, is really finding that fit, right? Because at the end of the day, parents, you know, we have to understand that you are making a purchasing decision. <laughs> if we think about how financial analysts think about picking, you know, stocks, which to buy, ultimately, they're trying to create an environment where they put a dollar in and get $3 back. So when I speak with families as it relates to college and delivering the best outcome, let's think about a situation where your child and you and your resources can put a dollar in and get $3 back. And the $3 doesn't always have to be like, oh my gosh, they're coming out of school making $700,000. Like, no, there are a lot of intangibles that go into that. So let me speak to that a little bit. I think first part is having that conversation with your child to really figure out how to detach from the status and the allure that comes with keeping up with the Joneses, right? Oh my gosh, my neighbor, she went to this program. We need to as well. And again, we're human beings. We, we are prideful. <laughs> we have a lot of things where we feel like, oh my gosh, if, if, if Jill has this, I want it too. But let's figure out how to detach from that. Instead, have a healthy conversation with our child about what is that environment that they're looking for? You know, and also you sharing your opinion and not have it come across in a way where it feels like they're going to be forced to go to this college. And the best way to do that is like, hey, sit down with your child. And this is coming from a recent graduate. So I think it's, it's almost like if you've seen the TED talk, um, how to parent a teen, advice coming from a teenager, very similar to that, right? Like think of it as a cheat code where you never want to appear like you're sort of pointing the finger, scolding them for saying, okay, this is where I want you to go. It's like, hey, Bobby, or, uh, you know, I, I've raised you, I, I love you. We looked at the environment. I really feel like this, this place would challenge you. And it's just my opinion, but what do you think? Mm -hmm. and, and make them come to the same side of the table. And I think that's probably something you and your advisors do a really yeah. good job of is like pulling apart those layers, asking those questions in a really objective way. Um, because again, I'll keep going back to this. You're making a purchasing decision. You wanna find that right environment. That's a good balance of, aligning with who they are, their personality, but also making sure the environment also challenges them a little bit, right? If they are on the little bit on, on like the Shire end, well, is 100% of that environment going to be conducive to their growth, right? right? Are there aspects where they're going to be challenged, where you're going to be like, wow, again, we put a dollar in and get $3 back because she's just totally blossomed in the gymnastics program and how the coaches, all those things. And sometimes when it's all said and done, it may not be the biggest, baddest name brand school out there and that's okay. But it's school that makes sense for you. 
Um, so it's really, you know, finding the best ways to have that healthy level of conversation that I think you and your advisors probably help families figure that out in the most objective way possible. Yeah, but you know what I love about what you just said was you said it in different a different way that I haven't heard before. And I feel like that's going to resonate big time with um, so many families. And um, they do, we have so many parents that do put a ton of energy into raising their kids to go to college, which I, I completely appreciate. But I think we can get too far off sometimes on or narrow focused um, is what I see with some families and the child then um, is afraid to actually Mm. have a different opinion or to speak about a different opinion. And especially in the sport of gymnastics, they don't have a voice very often. They're very good at taking instruction and going and doing their uh, assignment. And one of the things we do try to help them with is having a voice. So I think that's basically what you were saying, but you said it in a really beautiful way, a different kind of way. So thank you. That's perfect. I appreciate that. I mean, this is just from experiences that I've seen you know, from students that have come to me and figuring out the dynamics sometimes between the parent and the child, because it is a big decision and everybody wants the same outcome, but sometimes it's difficult to get there because ah, there's just so much pressure and emotions tied in. It, it can be messy. Um, and it's just, you know, like you love your child, your child loves you. Let's figure out the best solution for everybody here. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up. The last question I always ask. So if you listen to my podcast, <laughs> I have is what brings you joy? So what do you do in your day that brings you joy? Yeah, um, so for anybody listening, uh, I currently reside in the greater Chicago area and I'm about a 10 minute walk from Lake Michigan. So every day just to sort of unwind, get away from really the the chaos sometimes of the day to day or even the monotony of the day to day is I look forward to that walk and seeing that calm water, taking a deep breath, and for me, I just know, like, for the limited days of sunshine that we do get here in Chicago is to take advantage of it, <laughs> right, as much as possible. And then the second thing is I've been obsessed recently in figuring out ways to build communities, um, specifically like digital communities with COVID really changing the way that most people interact and most people feel comfortable and, and finding ways to, to bring people together. Um, so most of my time is like taking walks to get away from screen time when I'm on screen time. Right now, uh, my goal is focused on building the number one community of parents of college students and recent grads on Facebook who wanna learn the best resources because so much has changed about the career process from when they were looking for a job to what their child is going through now. Um, and most of my time is focused on there. So you, if any parents are listening and you want free resources and stuff like that, if you just Google or go on Facebook, look up career planning secrets for parents of college students and recent grads, you all can join. Um, and I've made a whole course that parents can go on watch for free where it basically translate. The best way I can describe it is like, this is what a resume and all these programs used to look like 20 years ago, but here's what it's looked like now so that you and your child can speak the same language, because that's what I feel like is missing, is that one side, you've got the parents who don't know what's going on, the child has so much going on, and you've got companies who are like, what's going on? Uh-huh. And no, nobody's sort of been that glue. So you can find me in that community. Um, again, I'm just obsessed with bringing people together in any way that I can. So this is on Facebook? Yep, yeah, I can just Google career planning secrets for parents of college students and recent grads, yeah. Career family secrets. Career planning secrets. Planning. Yep. 
sometimes I can't hear on this recording, so that's perfect. All and good. Where else can they find you or your book or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I would say uh, if you are interested, number one, the community is probably where I spend like 90% of my time because I want to give so much value there. I do live streams and I share resources, all that good stuff. Where else? The second place would be if you just go to compoundcareer.com, C-O-M-P-O-U-N-D, career.com. And if you directly want to get a hold of me um, and you want to learn more about my book, what I do, all this good stuff, again, you've got proactive parents, right? Just to brainstorm uh, and talk through career planning, things like that. You all can email me at Rishav, R-I-S-H-A-V, V as in van, at compoundcareer.com. And I'm pretty responsive there. Perfect. Okay, you might get inundated, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean this is I mean this is something I, I love to nerd out about, truth okay. be told. And I just I I one I love working with students and helping them understand the options and everything that exists and 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 like the whole career side of things, because I know that's really ambiguous for them. And two, working with families and helping translate a lot of that, right? I, I just love it when the mom or the dad, I can look them across the seat and say, oh, that's what it is. It just repackaged a little bit differently. And now they feel empowered to want to speak with their child. Probably the same thing that you see when you've noticed so many changes with the NCAA, the recruiting process. And the mom is like, wow, Jill, thank you very much. I totally know how to speak with my daughter now. And the daughter is like, wow, Jill, thank you very much. I totally know what I'm doing. I've got my roadmap. I've got my action plan. And you just make it stressful. I love doing that stuff when it comes to career planning for families and college students. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me and for giving us this hour together. And I, so I have so many things going through my head right now on how we can collaborate even more. So um, hopefully all of um, our friends that join College Recruiting with Jill Hicks will hear more from you and have a great day and go on that walk. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And thank you again for inviting me on. All right. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in Jill Hicks Consulting's advising services, head over to www.jhicksconsulting.com and click on the Get Started button to fill out your forms page. One of our advisors will give you a call. We're in your corner and we'll talk to you soon.